Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Find and Follow podcast, where we are all about helping you find and follow Jesus in your everyday life. We are back at it. Uh, Craig, Kyle, and Scott here. Uh, it's exciting. After a few weeks off the holidays, yeah, it's been 2023. Welcome. Hey, Happy New Year, everyone. 2023. We still doing New Year? How sure. long do you go on that? As long as you feel it. days. You feel, do you feel the need when you see someone you haven't seen yet in 23? You're yeah, like, hey, I yes, haven't, I haven't seen, seen any of our listeners since 2022. I said, I said Merry Christmas to somebody. <laughs> you haven't seen any of them? <laughs> I said Merry Christmas, what? Happy New Year to someone on Sunday. Not in this context. This is the first context, right? Oh, I see. In the podcast. In the podcast. Uh, yeah, in, in the world real, of podcast. In real life, you've seen some people, right? <laughs> How long? I get nervous right there. How long does the bank give you for checks? I feel like they give you like a 20-some-day... Okay, um, old guy alert. This is your second check reference I did. this week. Well, I wrote so. a check. I wrote a check, sent it in the mail, and then I thought to myself, I don't know what date I put on that. I don't know if I put 22 on there, but they give you a grace period. I wrote the check on like the 6th. I think I'm, I'm twice your age, and I can't remember the last check I wrote. I, I just don't. It's only the government who makes me write them checks. I gotta, it's true. So uh, Don't start that yeah. train. Okay. <laughs> the only so, check I ever open my checkbook, all it is is United States Treasury, United States Treasury, United States Treasury, United States Treasury. Way to put money in the treasury yeah, for us all. You're welcome. Thank you. I don't think banks are actually that strict anymore on checks because yeah, they. We've are. all experienced. No, we've all experienced like things that go through that shouldn't have gone through. I get like, calls like from a the check bank with no signatures at all. Correct. On a check that should have two signatures, but it goes through anyway. Yeah, like that one. Yep, I get calls from the happened. bank from SCCU. Hey, uh, this person wrote a check for this much, but they wrote it out for this much. I can't cash it for this much. You, you do. You're guess, quite. Yeah. You're quite in the check world. I got one the other wow. day. Hey, sorry, uh, your deposit th- is actually $50 less because they wrote it for 150 but they actually only wrote 100 They made a mistake. So, uh, And apparently, this is what our podcast is about, is the world the of checks world. in 2023. <laughs> I sure hope not. <laughs> I hope not either. So let's move it along. We have started 23. We'll get into it, I think, hopefully today. Uh, just some intentionality. Word of the year. There you for, go. For Kyle James Kingsley. Right? Right. Yes. Uh, just helping people start their year through what we're calling just 23. Psalm 23. It's 2023. See where we're going with that. 23 days of some more intentional personal connection with Jesus through prayer, fasting, scripture reading, doing it in community, uh, Sunday, you know, gathering focus. Hopefully more holistic than than maybe what people have experienced in the past. Um, but just intentionality with, hey, grow in your relationship with Jesus. Like, personally connect with him on a daily basis. That's part of what it means to follow follow him, is um, to make him more of a center of our life and not just like hobby Jesus. Like, oh yeah, on the weekends and when I have some time and then it's a, you know, it's a fun thing, but I just wish I had more time for Jesus, but, uh, but I, when I do, it's great, but I don't usually have enough time. Like less of that and more of he's the focal point center of our lives because God should be. Yeah, and I think that there's something cool about just that we've talked about on the podcast, just the first, right? So as I think the beginning of the year provides an opportunity for us to go, hey, as I start the year, the first part of my year is going to be intentional about focusing on my relationship with Jesus. And hopefully that translates into not just a fad thing or like a diet thing, like you're saying, it's got like a random accidental or unintentional thing. But it's, hey, as I start the year first, and so we've talked about it a lot uh the first part of my day, the first part of my finances, the first part of, you know, my focus and, and brain power and willpower is going to my relationship with the Lord. Not, and it's so easy, you know, it goes to getting the kids ready and doing this and getting breakfast or whatever it is and just being intentional. Um, man, the first part of my day 
you know, for me, the first anything I look at my phone, I'm not going to do anything until I've spent some time with Jesus and been in in the Word and and had some time with Him, even in the craziness of having a six month old, right? Like getting her ready, waking up her, with her, and getting her decked out for the day. I'm like, I gotta be intentional about my relationship with Jesus too. Do six month old babies get decked out? Oh yeah, she's a. She's she's a decked out baby for sure. Okay, I'm not even sure what that means. <laughs> oh, it's it's okay, Craig. It's it's for people who write checks. They understand these decked out terms. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I think I understand decked out as a term. I just don't know what a six month old looks like decked out. I'll show you. Okay. I, got, I got lots of pictures. We can go through my phone, my videos. <laughs> it's been a bit for you there. Uh, it's been a bit. Uh, speaking of first, we um, it's the year of Amy in our household. Shout out to my wife who turned uh, forty. Um, we started the New Year's with a polar plunge in Lake Coeur d'Alene, and she had never done that. The kids and I have, uh, and I've done it several other places, but jumping in at 37-degree water, talking about first when you were, you know, talking about first, I was like, yeah, that's what we did on the first day of the year, and we've got other fun adventures planned uh, for the rest of the year, just to kind of celebrate the entire year. It's, a, it's just really a good excuse to have some of these fun adventures we wanted to do anyways. Might as well just throw the birthday label no, on them. No, it's not anyway. It's fully because of Amy, right? It's like, no, we weren't going to do this. We are doing this for Amy. There are some things that, yes, are on the list because... No, all of them. I'm helping you out here, bro. Everything you're doing is intentionally because your wife is amazing and it's her year. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to be helpful, but let's not go down that road either. Um, But have you ever done a polar plunge? I never have and I never will. Never will. Nope. Yeah, we used to do them. When I was your kid's age, we used to do them a lot. When I was a Cub Scout... Uh, didn't the whole troop? Yeah, I think so. I think it was like an option. Like, hey, the the troop's gonna go do the thing. I feel like I did it at Coeur d'Alene. I don't remember. I was young, but yeah, we used to do them every year. Or maybe at Liberty Lake. Yeah, I think one year. Yeah. I don't remember, man. It it's was fun. It's not, definitely not fun. I mean, there was the weirdos that jump in and swim around. We're like, yeah, I'm cool. Look at me forever. And I'm like, cool. I, I just don't do cold well. If, yeah, if I can avoid, don't. yeah, if I can avoid being cold, I will. What's the thermostat set to in your house? Uh, sixty-nine. Okay, it's not bad. Um, but it's very comfortable at sixty-nine in our house. That's that's sixty-nine in the hallway where the thermostat is. But yeah, my in-laws seventy-three. My in-laws are watching my daughter during the week, and they like they're like seventy-two. I'm like, poof, sweat. Yeah, so it's yeah. gonna be too warm for me. Yeah, I walk in. I'm like, yeah, turn it off immediately. Thank you for being at my house and watching my daughter, but it's too hot in here. It's yeah. science. Perfect sleeping temperature is like 64 to 67 mm. degrees. It's so. a little warm. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, this is first again. Back to Jesus. Like just thinking about like pray first, not as last resort. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm headed into work today. Oh, I should not wait till things blow up and get crazy, and then like, because. God is not limited. Like, that's one of the things, too, we have to rewire our brains on where we have limited time, limited resources, limited ability to handle things. And if 17,000 people came our way today and like, hey, I need this and can you help me with this, we would just be overwhelmed because we're finite. But God is not that way. And so we're not bothering him with our little things or our big things when we go to him first. Like, ah, I could probably tackle this thing the situation today, whatever's going on, I'll wait until it gets crazy when I really feel the need for God to help and intervene and be part of and give wisdom or provide a resource. I'll wait till it's really bad, and then I'll bother him because he's busy. He can't handle things just like me. Like, no, not just like me. Yeah, and the, the, the idea of that first, how often in our lives is God the last resort, right? 
that we tried on our own terms. We tried to do it our way. We tried to muscle through it. We tried to deal with it. We tried to shove it down emotionally, whatever it is. And God's the last resort in our own lives. We do that all the time. And how often have you talked to somebody who's just like, I'm at rock bottom. I need to start coming to church. Or, oh, yeah, I've tried everything else. It didn't work. I need the Lord. And it's like, yeah. And getting to that revelation and realization can be a, a, a cool thing. But God doesn't want to be the last resort. He, he wants to be first. Yeah, it, it doesn't have to be. A, it doesn't have to be. Yeah, like, and it's it not really avoided. cool. Most people go no. through hardships and troubles are not going, this is this cool. This is awesome. The thing is not cool. Yeah. Some of the, the beauty that God brings out of it and his promise to those who seek after him, love him, like he's able to restore and redeem things and bring good stuff out of them. Um, that's cool, but it's, yeah. Yeah, and I think It's just all, not the American way. Yeah, and I think all throughout Scripture, and we'll talk about it a little bit today as we dive in, that it's just... God's reminder to his people is, I don't want to be one of many. I don't want to be the last resort. I don't want to be, oh, well, we tried everything else, or our neighbors were doing this, and the person down the street said this was a good idea to, you know, get what I wanted or or get blessing. God's like, I don't want to be an option in the pantheon of options. I want to be the option, the first, the only, because that's the way, it, because I'm the only one who's capable of getting you what you need in the fullness of life that you have, and the depth and the beauty of the relationship when you do that is the way God intended it. I think Jesus ever did a polar plunge. He's always around the water and the lakes. No, no, nope. I think he would. Nah. Jesus is full of wisdom, so he would never yeah. do a polar and he, plunge. He probably could just like elevate his body temperature whenever he wanted to. So he's like, like the Wim Hof method. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's just like, uh, yeah, I want to be like ninety nine right now. Okay, I'm good. Just crank it up a yeah. degree. There is snow in Israel. I was having this argument, I think, with Hayden because I said something about snow and gets cold. He's like, it doesn't snow. And then, you know, you just Google it. And here's a picture of 18 inches of snow on the ground in Jerusalem. And what? He's like, really? Uh, what? Yeah. Like, it doesn't snow regularly and, and constant yeah. like it does here. But there's a bunch of snow in the mountains. And yeah. it's in the scriptures. They're talking about the snow. But then it does snow in the lower lands, the valleys and he was like, oh. So, could find some cold water is my point on that. <laughs> Jesus maybe did the plunge. But let's plunge into Scripture here. How about that for no. a segue? Hey, nope. Oh. nope. I apologize to our listeners. <laughs> hey, I'm working on my wacky DJ, uh, you know, FM 94.3. Yeah. Nope. All right. Okay. So, we're jumping in here. Matthew 15 is kind of where we've been in the Scripture. Um, and, and the story of a, a lady who comes to Jesus in... You know, to the point of like, is it first or is it last or whatever? I don't know. But it's she's coming to find some help from Jesus. And she's got, um, what's her issue here? Her, her daughter, daughter is, is demon-possessed. Possessed by a demon. Which I'm always fascinated by how frequent there was possession of demons throughout the scriptures. And yet it's not common in our society that we talk about it, aware of it, or know about it. Um, do you think it's still happening? Do you think it's still real and relevant? Um, I know I'm kind of out here on a limb a little bit, maybe, but like, why don't we see it, experience it, hear about it, talk about it as much as I think, or am I wrong on that? It's a lot of questions. I know. But this idea of demon possession is common that they, hey, there's someone being oppressed, someone being possessed. Um, we just see that in movies. More for, I do. Maybe I'm missing it, but more now. Now it's like it's in movies or there's stories of a place that was haunted or a, 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 a old tale. But 
Do you think it's happening? I, yes. I, I do think it's happening. I think there's two reasons why um, we see it so frequently in the Scripture. One is that they acknowledge the reality of demon possession, and we generally don't in our culture today for lots of reasons. But I think the other reason is I think the, the demons, de, uh, the devil, was particularly active because Jesus was present on the planet. So the spiritual warfare was at an all-time high. Uh, the devil knows that Jesus come for a reason. He wants to thwart that. And so he's got his minions, you know, really active and really focused on that region. So there'd be a lot of demon possession, even more so than would normally be the case. Yeah, that's good. And the, the involvement and activity and presence of the Holy Spirit that came after that, when Jesus gives, I think is another variable in the equation. I've said it this way on the podcast, and I, I think it's helpful. I think when we talk about this, when we talk about spiritual activity, when we talk about demonic things, specifically, I think there's two extremes that we tend to go to. We overemphasize it, and then everything's a demon, right? Like, oh, you got that demon because you're an alcoholic. That's the demon of alcoholism, or like you're possessed with that thing. And we overemphasize it, and then we just give everything this, like, no, you're just making mistakes, right? You're just, you're not following the direction of the Holy Spirit. You're not listening to the Word of God. You're making your own decisions. Could it be a demon? In, in maybe, but probably not, right? We overemphasize it, or we underemphasize it, and we don't give any weight to it at all. Ah, uh, there's no, you know, there's no such thing as the spiritual realm. We don't really give power and presence to the Holy Spirit and the spiritual things of God, the supernatural, and of the enemy and the spiritual darkness. Um, and so, I think that there's a tension to be managed there that we tend to not manage very well. We either go to one extreme or the other. So, as you ask that question, I 100% the answer is yes. There's still a demonic presence. There still can be demon possession. Um, but I think the danger lies in when we over or underemphasize it. And that's what I'm saying. That's that tricky tension to yep. know. Is this because there's a spiritual layer and dynamic to all things? And so, like when there's conflict and issues, there's the the reality of there's a practical thing of you said something that hurt my feelings. Like we're we're in conflict, but also the enemy, Satan, uh, loves to jump in there and stir that up even more and cause more division and more separation. And so there's a there's a spiritual battle, not just the flesh and blood part of of life that we can see and, and understand. And so... And I think even in our thought process and conversation, the devil is the father of lies. I mean, he's he's the, the trickster that just twists the truth. And so when we start to believe those things, I believe that's a, a strategy of the enemy to get us to believe I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy, or, you know, in conflict, you know, Scott, Scott said that he must believe this, and now I think this about Scott because... The, de- the enemy is using that and twisting this lie. Oh, Scott doesn't like me. Scott's a terrible person because he said that to me or he upset me. Um, and now I have these, I'm harboring this hate and bitterness because the enemy is just using this lie, speaking and I'm listening to that voice. And I, I totally believe that that happens. I agree with you. Um, we've also moved away from the specific of this particular text because she's talking about her daughter being possessed by a demon. We're talking now more so in the context of the activity of demons, Satan, his minions, principalities and powers, as Paul refers to it in Ephesians 6, and there certainly is that layer. And and Satan is, more often than we realize, a player in the dynamics of what's going on in our personal life, in our relationships, et cetera, et cetera. But this is more specific. She's saying about her daughter that she's possessed. And from time to time, I get the question, have over the years, well, can a Christian be possessed by a demon? The answer to that is no. Because a, a believer, a Christ follower, is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's not going to share somebody's soul with a demon. Can a Christian be influenced heavily 
very heavily by a demon? Absolutely. Can they be deceived by a demon? Yes. I mean, all those, the, the demons are still active in our lives as much as they are in other people's lives, but being possessed by a demon is not possible if the Holy Spirit indwells that person. Yeah, and at the same, we're, I know we're, we're kind of over here, uh, at the same time, like, sin is a thing. Like, Paul talks about it, like, in Romans all, throughout that letter where, um, you know, it's like, what is, what is the thing in me, like, as a Jesus follower, I'm doing the thing I don't want to do, and I know that I'm doing it, but what is that in me, right? And he talks about sin. The flesh. The, the flesh. Sin in like, me. Like, sin in me, like, it's almost like a le- living, breathing thing, like, it's an entity, I think, because it is. There's a, there's a sin that is... Um, of our own choosing. We talk about Christ followers and going, well, Jesus is my master and I'm slave to him because of my choice to follow him. But now I'm going to opt out of that for a moment and give myself over to this sin as a, as a master. And sin is a horrible master. And we choose that. And God goes, man, you're going to keep running. I'm going to turn you over to some of your own consequences here. And there's still the grace and mercy of God. And he saves us from things we don't even know about. Um, but the reality of the influence of the enemy in our lives is our own choosing, our own doing, our own wandering, and um, the influence of the d- demonic side of life and the spiritual reality. Just like on the positive side where we say the Holy Spirit's in us and with us and God guides us and he's the first of our day. And throughout all things, there's this: the Holy Spirit is present and with us and the Spirit of God is greater than the Spirit of the world. And so we can, we can rely on that spiritual reality just as much as we understand there's an enemy yeah, and I think that the the delineation or the clarification that Craig brings up is important because we've talked about it on the podcast because there's lots of other um, instances in even Matthew, um, right? The last line of, of verse 22 is that she's possessed by a demon, demon that's tormenting her, right? We've talked about this other possession that's they're not in control of their mouth and their language, right? The demon is speaking out and saying things that they're in, not in control of. The demon is causing them crazy strength to break through chains, right? We read that story that that's throwing them on the ground and causing them harm, that they are no longer in control of their their body and their faculties because the demon is now in control. And so that's the important line that, you know, in Christ with the Holy Spirit, um, that that level of possession is is it's another level, right? It's not just like, oh, I'm influenced by this spiritual darkness and this waging war that's within me that, you know, stupid cartoon with the devil on the shoulder and the angel on the other there's my flesh and like no i'm physically literally being controlled by a, a demon possession um is the extreme of kind of what we're talking about but a, a, a delineation and a clarification that we need to make right specific to this text uh there are a couple of things that are note notable and one is that this woman is an, a gentile she's not a, a jew and so that plays out significantly in the story that we're uh, looking at And the other thing uh, that I think is very significant is in verse 23, where it says that Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. So his initial response is to ignore her. That's troubling. Well, that's a speed bump verse for me. Yeah. Yeah. You just read along, it's like, yep, 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 what? And it just stops you there. Especially, I mean, rewind. I know it's been a minute since we met. I mean, last last time we were talking with the feeding of 
could be or could not. Oh yeah, be. you could have just listened. You could just be like a new listener. You just listened yeah. to it like yesterday. It. And once again, happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the case, it's we, the, ma- the magic of the internet, Kyle. We, sorry, I, it's been a while since we've talked about it. Me personally, uh, you know, the feeding of five thousand and the Jesus had compassion on everyone. Right, those verses we talked about, and we talked about the character of Jesus. Like he never turned anybody away. Like we said those things, right? And and we obviously know the end of the story. He doesn't not do anything, but that that speed bump is, wait, whoa, where's the compassionate, gracious, all loving, never turned anybody away Jesus? His response seems like a little bit. Yep. And it brings up the point and the the necessity. Yes. Trying to use a big word early, I guess. Um, of reading all about Jesus. And so if you want to make a case against Jesus, just cherry pick a few things and just take this verse way out of context. Don't finish the story. Don't have anything else. And just put that on the Internet. Here you go. This is the God you're talking about. This this mom who is desperate for some healing for her daughter is causing all kinds of violent external things. It's not just, you know, like, oh, it would be nice. Like it is creating chaos in their everyday life. And she comes to Jesus like crying out. She acknowledged him like, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. She's crying out for mercy, and Jesus just ignores the lady. doesn't even say a word to her. And the disciples want her to get, go away. Shoo, lady, yeah. you're causing chaos in, in our In fact, they're saying, thing. Jesus, tell her to go away. She's bothering us. She's with whining. Begging. She's yeah, bothering just, us with her begging. Exactly. So just throw that, only that part on the Internet, and say, hey, here's a case against Jesus. Right. Right? And then people who don't want to read the totality of who Christ is, and again, all you got to do is read about six more verses here. Find exactly. out the compassion and the mercy Jesus has it, for her. It, not only does Jesus meet her need, meet the need in her daughter's life, but then he praises her for her faith. And uh, by the way, just a little side note, there's only two places that I know of in the scripture where Jesus commends people for their faith. And in both cases, they're Gentiles, not Jews. This is one of them. And the other one is the Roman soldier. And Jesus said, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel as I see in your life. And so Jesus' reply in verse 24 to his disciples, right? Because the disciples came to him and urged him. So he answers them. Am I reading this correct? You guys? In verse 24? Yeah. It's a, my translation says Jesus said to the woman. Yep, mine too. Okay. He just, yeah, this one says he answered. So that's why I'm, that's why I'm double checking. That's why we read scripture in community. Um, he's, but his reply is, I, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And again, to your conversation of understanding this in the broader context, we've talked about this in Matthew, who's writing to a Jewish audience and understanding the context of the Jewish Messiah and the hope that the the Savior of the world was coming first to the Jewish people, for the Jewish people, to um, rectify or answer or fulfill the promise that God had made through Abraham and that they were waiting for. And so... Matthew in in this is saying this is the Messiah that we've been waiting for coming first for the Jew and even from his own lips he's saying hey I'm coming first I mean he the translation says I was only sent to God's lost sheep the people of Israel um, I'm fulfilling the promise and, and so from Matthew's perspective this is a big deal because to the Jewish people this is one of those revelations that this is the guy that has been talked about since the beginning. So, yeah, I, I, I think agree that, with that the key is the first for the Israelites. Yeah. Right. I, I agree with what you're saying, Kyle. Um, and it's important for us to understand that, that while that's true, Jesus is always playing the long game. He's always got the big picture in mind. 
And so ultimately, he intends to reach Gentiles. It's just a matter of, like you said, Scott, first I'm coming to Israel, giving them a chance to put their faith in me as the Messiah. And then eventually, the focus is going to be on the Gentiles. And it is very, very soon after Jesus' ascension, he tells the disciples, hey, go into all the world now. Because all the world was the focus all along. But in this particular case, and in his earthly ministry, his focus was the people of Israel. Jesus always knows what he's ultimately going to do. Like in the story of Lazarus, hey, come heal Lazarus, he's sick. And Jesus doesn't go anywhere, he just stays put. And Lazarus dies. It's like, what's that about? It seems like indifference and he doesn't care. But ultimately, we discover from that story as well as this story, that he's always got something in mind. And in Lazarus's case, he waits till he's dead, been dead several days, and then raises him from the dead to God's glory. And the same thing is going on here. Jesus knows he's going to meet her need. He's not, he's not confused. He's just helping her, I think, instructing us for sure, uh, tutoring the disciples. I mean, there's a whole lot of layers to what's going on in this conversation. And it's, it is the challenging, I think, spiritual maturing part when you understand that God, God's purposes include this lady and her daughter, but are greater than that. And so the center of the world and the center of this moment is not around this, this, this girl who's demon-possessed and this mother. And yet we would read that and go, well, shouldn't she be the center of everything that's happening right now? And Jesus is saying, no, God and his kingdom is the center of everything that I am and doing. And that is that is stretching and growing for us, um, because at the, we feel like we have to jettison maybe compassion and mercy and grace and help for people, and Jesus doesn't do that, and He ultimately does heal the 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 guy. I mean, spoiler alert: Jesus loves people and heals them, but He did this with His disciples, and we talked about it. Who knows how many more episodes in the past? But when He sent His disciples out, go preach the good news, but just to the Israelites. First, don't don't wander in talking to the Gentiles. Like, whoa, do they not get a? It's really really stretching for mm-hmm. me to like understand. It's really God's kingdom first and His big purposes. But when you but when you zoom back out and you look at the totality of God's redemptive plan throughout history, um, God was very selective in choosing Abraham and his descendants and the people of Israel. Right, like it. This is you are going to be the way that the world changes. Um, but yeah, I'm coming to you, and then you're going to change your neighbors, and you're going to change the world. Um, but there is a selective, you know, Israelite Jewish nation descendants of Abraham that we read through, and this this phrase from Jesus, right? The lost sheep. We just talked about it Sunday, Psalm 23. God is the good shepherd. Um, the Israelite people had a had a plan and a roadmap from God to follow Him and to uh, keep His covenant and to love Him and be loved by Him and change the world because of that. And they screwed it up time and time again, just like we screwed it up time and time again. I mean, I, I, uh, I've read through the New Testament multiple times straight through last year. And, well, that's good. Um, <laughs> well, no, I, I, in my reading, I kind of pick and choose, right? So I just, I read through it straight from from Matthew to Revelation a couple times, and and uh, so this year I was like, I'm gonna kind of read some of the stuff I haven't read in a while. So I, I'm reading through. I read all the Psalms, and I'm reading through some of the prophets and minor prophets, and I'm in Ezekiel right now. Oh, jeez. In Valley of Dry Bones. Yeah. We'll talk about lost sheep. I mean, literally my morning reading this meeting was Ezekiel 8, where God's like, hey, go murder a bunch of people because they're, you know, exile in Babylon and God's people are screwing it up. And he's like, this is going to be terrible for you because you're not following me and and you're missing the point. Yeah. And it and it's really good to have some biblical context and something 
understand yeah. the point. Because if, if your approach to like reading the scriptures and following Jesus is more of like magic, where you're just like, I'm going to randomly open the Bible, take my finger, point to a spot, and read that encouraging verse of the day, and you're in Ezekiel 8, and you read that, go and kill people, and it's like from God, and you're like, well, that doesn't jive. You know what I mean? That is, a, that is and that some people's approach is just like, I'm going to flip, or I'm just going to pick up whatever, you know, pops up on the internet in my face and go, oh, okay, that's God's word to me today, because this is my intentionality, my effort in my personal relationship with God is go, I just need something, and so I'm going to flip it open and point. Yeah. Like magic eight ball. Shake it up, and what's my message for the day? And I think that's the danger of what what we've done in in glorifying these, you know, verses on the wall and quick quick little quips. And I mean, because Jeremiah 29, 11 is the point in that. Like, I just read Jeremiah last month, and it's like, there's this hope in Jeremiah 29, 11, but the rest of Jeremiah 20, the rest of Jeremiah 29, the rest of Jeremiah together is, Jeremiah, get ready, man. This is terrible. Like, God, you are not listening to God. God's people are not listening to him, and it's not going to go well for you because of your choices. So my point in bringing all of that up is, is that Jesus comes on the scene and says, hey, I'm changing things. But first and foremost, Israel, who from the beginning of Genesis has been chosen, adopted by God into this covenant relationship to redeem the world, to do special things, my plan, you, you, you've never been on board with it. And so Jesus is saying, I'm coming to show you how we can redeem that. And so, yes, he is specifically going to the Jewish people who have already known about God's plan and are have a revelation of who God is and who God is meant to be. And the plan of Jesus has already been prophesied and told about. So that's his point when he says, hey, I'm, I mean, it, it sounds rude. It sounds brash. It sounds arrogant. It sounds disrespectful to this woman. But he's like, hey. I've got a mission that's first and foremost to God's people who've, you know, since the time of Abraham have been searching for a way to, to be right with God and screwed it up, and I'm here to do that. And then I love her response. Right? Yeah, like, and before we get, this is obviously a speed bump because it's slowed us down as we're reading. But God doesn't have any favorites, and he's for all people, and he's always been for all people. And Paul says that in Romans 2. just want to read Romans 2.10. Um the context is he's talking about, hey, if you're going to do evil or if you're going to do good, here's the good part, verse 10. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, verse 11, for God does not show favoritism. And that's, that's, really, that's just been, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, that's really good. So you we know, jump back, maybe we can get back in here. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I, I actually want to, I, I think, I want to focus on the thing that I think is most instructive uh, for for the disciples in this moment, uh, probably, and certainly for me personally. I mean, I, it's important what we're talking about as far as God's larger purpose and all that in a statement to uh, her about being sent to the lost sheep of Israel. But but what is, when he, when he says, dear woman, your faith is great, what is he acknowledging? He's acknowledging her persistence. He's acknowledging the fact that when she first made a request and he responded the way that he did, she didn't give up. She didn't just say, oh, well, whatever. I guess you're not so wonderful as people have said you are. I'm out. No, she persisted, and she persisted a couple of different times, and, and the Lord honored that and responded to that. And we don't know, but, and I, I'm only speculating, but I suspect that her faith grew through this experience. Her faith was already there, obviously, to come to Jesus and, and ask for this, um, but, but I think her faith was greater when the experience was over because she learned, oh, so don't take the first percep- perceived response as the final response because that isn't necessarily the case. And 
And I think we often do that. We'll, we'll pray about something that's like, yeah, that didn't work. And then we just move on because we didn't get the result we wanted fast enough or in the way we wanted or whatever. And, you know, in the New Testament, uh, in many places, teaches the importance and value of persistence in prayer. Luke mentions it in Luke 11. Paul talks about it in a variety of places. And I think sometimes we just give up too soon. And There's I think, you, you, me, you, me, I think to Scott's point, I think what she's doing, and maybe I'm making a few leaps, is she is understanding and the faithfulness that Jesus prais- praises her for is she is understanding the long game. Is that she her response shows like, yes, I get that. And and for Jesus going like for her, I'm removed from the Israelite. I didn't grow up with the stories about God's redemptive plan. I didn't hear that there was a Messiah that was coming, but I still believe that you are powerful and you can do something. And you know, I know that you maybe you're saying you're here but for the, the lost sheep of Israel, but don't doesn't that affect me too? Isn't the long game that you are going to redeem the world? I, yeah. That's a, an immense amount of faith and faithfulness in trusting Jesus in that moment for her from that perspective in that culture, being kind of an outsider. I, I suspect that you're right, that she has some understanding of the big picture and the purpose and the whole idea of Israel first, then the Gentiles. Because when Jesus says, uh, and again, it seems so rude, it's not right to take food from the children, throw it to the dogs, an obvious reference to Gentiles and to her and her daughter and she replied, that's true. Well, how does she know that's true? Well, I mean, why is she so readily agreeing with Jesus? I, I think she has at least some understanding of, hey, I realize that God's working in the nation of Israel, and I'm not a Jew, and so I'm out, not in. And I, I, I think that's part of her faith. Yeah, but even her response, but even, but even so, the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps. So, but even though you're coming for the first for the Jews and then to the Gentiles, her faith is saying what Paul said. Like, there's still an abundance of life for me as a Gentile, right? And Jesus is like, ding, 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 we have a winner. You do see the long game. You do understand the ultimate perspective. And because of your faith and your big picture scene, uh, I'm praising you for your faithfulness and the miracle happens. Another thing I love about this story, he said, your faith is great, your request is granted, and her daughter was, was healed over time. In the coming months and years, she got better and better. No, it says, and her daughter was instantly healed. And I think it's also interesting that it's healing. It doesn't say, and her daughter was instantly relieved of or set free from this demon. Uh, It says, she was instantly healed, made whole. Um, Yeah, there's a holistic healing, not just a release of one area. Correct. We we too much as Westerners and for more of a Greek uh, mind first approach to life, we, we segmented out. We got like, Oh, there's a, there's a brain healing. Then there's a physical foot healing and there's a, and it's a wholeness that Jesus offers. Correct. I mean, just put yourself in the case of the, in the shoes of the daughter. She's been, I don't really want to be demon possessed. (laughs) No, but well, just think about it for a moment. She's been severely tormented for how long we don't know, but, but it's, I mean, you just can barely imagine what that would be like. And I, I don't agony. think it. Yeah, I don't think it would take long for it to be agonizing. And and the emotional trauma and the psychological impact. I mean, so when Jesus sets her free from the demon, she is instantly healed of the emotional, psychological, uh, spiritual trauma, physical. and maybe physical trauma of it all. Social outcast. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole lot of layers there, and I suspect. I mean, we don't know that that's all implied, but. It's interesting that that word is used there. Yeah. Have you guys watched The Chosen, that 
series. Just watched the first episode. Pretty good. You're yeah. in? I'm going to watch the I'm, next one. I'm skeptical. Yeah. I watched the first one. We'll watch the second one. Okay. That's where I'm at. Good. But the first one, it there's a one of the storylines is a demon-possessed girl. And so there's visuals, you know, from that show running through my head right now with mm-hmm. her life and her experience. Um, yeah. So it just, whether it's, you know, 100% true, you know, accurate or whatever, they're not trying to portray the Bible. They're just saying, here are biblical things that happen and we have to make a an episode. But it just helps with like, oh, this was, is real today and it was real then and Jesus really provided healing and wholeness to this gal. And I think we can learn from her that the mom, that our faith is has endurance and has persistence. And she didn't have to endure and persist very long. I mean, this is a interaction. It wasn't like she came back the next year and the next year. But there's an endurance to our faith that is lifelong. It's when you sign up to follow Jesus, it's for like till death parts us so we can be joined together. Marriage reference, no? Um, but it's forever. Like that's the cool part. Like that's what why we are signing up. It's like you are the only way to bring wholeness. I think that's where that mom was at, and that's where we get where it's like, where else do I go? Like, oh, it's not for you. Okay, but I'm gonna still be here because I have nowhere else to go. Who's gonna set my daughter free from demon possession? Who's gonna set me free from the penalty of my sin? Who's gonna bring wholeness and a fullness to life? I got nowhere else to go, um, because you you jump into like 23 and you realize. My personal connection to Jesus is the most important thing, and it just makes my day better, and it just makes me better at my day in my life, and it's the, you know, the beautiful relationship we do have is what we should value the most, and so it's the things that Jesus truly only offers, and so that's, that's. So did you know Jesus sometimes liked to hike? Yeah. Because that's what the next verse says, says he returned to the Sea of Galilee. How about that for segues, Carl? Did you know Jesus liked to hike? <laughs> and he climbed the hill. I do. I don't. He think returned he... to the Sea of Galilee and climbed a hill and sat down. Could I you it. not like hiking if you were alive in the Middle East? Uh, I don't think they actually hiked. They just like lived life and it required to them to, to journey, to walk, to yeah. go up and down the hills. They to, did a lot of walking. Did shepherds to care for their sheep? They're like we we hike on the weekends. We love it. We just work, man. That's what we do. We. Go up and down the hills with yeah, our it's sheep. it's called living in the Middle East. Yeah, remember, we have gyms now because we have such a stationary, sedentary life. We got, we got machines that make us walk, walk upstairs instead of actually walking upstairs. <laughs> oh, man. I like That's funny to me. It's I like, like oh, we, have you seen one of those machines? You can like, pick, like, I want to walk on the Eiffel Tower. Like, yes, the stair I, I want to do, do, do the Empire State Building right, today. Do the... Anyway. We may we feel like we've been off for a few weeks. We got. I feel like we got a lot of random thoughts here. Just been saving <laughs> well, them up I'm, to get I'm them out of the podcast. I'm wanting to get to this this short paragraph here. Okay, it's fabulous. So he climbs the hill, hikes up, and sits down. Vast crowd is brought to him by people, and they're bringing their lame, the blind, the crippled, those who can't speak, and many others. They laid them before Jesus, and he healed a few of them. No, it, and he healed them all. And the crowd, verse 31, the crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well. The lame were walking and the blind could see. And they praised the God of Israel. It's fabulous to me. To, 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 there's several places in the, in the gospel accounts where this kind of thing is inserted. Sometimes it's just a verse or two. Here it's several verses that tell us that 
the stories we have of specific healings are just a small, small fraction of the total number of people that Jesus physically healed during his three-year earthly ministry. It's crazy to imagine how many people, no doubt hundreds and probably thousands. Yeah, verse 32, Jesus has compassion. It's, it feels like we're on, on repeat here. He has compassion yeah. for the I, people I was just gonna say who like, have been there for three days. Three days of healing and and teaching and being together. So so a lot. Yep. A lot can happen in three whole days together yep. on a hillside. Where you're, are you guys doing something else? Nope. We're just here being healed, waiting in line, teaching. The disciples are teaching. I mean, there's just stuff happening. And then again, there's a large crowd that's hungry. Jesus doesn't want them to faint on the way home. Yeah, but again, it it feels after we got over the speed bump, it feels like we're right back on the highway again, going the speed limit, like. This is back to the Jesus. It's again all these people. He heals all of them without a question. It's not like he's like, nah, not you. It's too big of a deal. Or you're too far gone. And I gotta assume that it's not just Jewish people. It's not just you know they're praising the God of Israel. I'm assuming there's, there's Gentiles. There's big guys at the door in like black tight black t-shirts. You that got were the bouncing. ID. Yeah. They're like Jew. No. Just check your out. Jewish credentials. <laughs> uh, right. So we're back to that. Like he's healing everybody. <laughs> you know the. T- the sign for Jewish credentials. I was okay. not going to go there. Come on, Scott. <laughs> right? Yep. It's 4,000 dudes. Like, they checked them all or what? Nope. Nope. <laughs> right back to that, that that we talked about last time we were here is the, yep. the feeding of people and the compassion. He's doing what Jesus did, did and what, the, the things that we know. He's he's not questioning. There's Everybody who comes gets that same love and compassion and care from Jesus. Before we go any further with uh, feeding of the 4,000, that is the story we've just started to touch on, I, I would just point out also that in that great crowd, there's 4,000 guys plus women and children, we, we know from the text. He heals them all. In no instance does he make anybody sick. There's lots of healing going on, and there's some healthy people bringing sick people to Jesus, and we have no record of any instance where he says to somebody who's well, and by the way, you, there's some things you need to learn, so I'm going to make you sick. And I hear that sometimes from people. God gave me this sickness because he wanted me to learn this or he wanted me to learn that. No, if, if we're learning things through sickness and injuries and hard things in life, it's God using those situations, but it's not God causing those situations. This is the heart of God. He healed them all and made no one sick. Yes. Uh, yeah, we don't. I'd love to, to dive off and do that tangent because it's so common and so many people is thinking this bad thing happened to me because I guess I'm I'm learning I guess I'm supposed to understand and so I'm going to attribute God versus just like oh I got in an accident because of that person's negligence because they drove incredibly too fast in the ice and they rammed into me I guess I guess I was meant to get hit today yeah, they, you know what I mean. Like, like you're saying, you're, you're the depth of that of God's will and God's omnipresence and and His power. So creating and not creating, causing, not causing, intervening or not intervening is just that's a whole nother pool to swim in. That, but again, to your point, here's Jesus healing, not making sick. Here's no, Jesus not just shoving someone down and go, oh, broke your leg. Okay, good. Now you got lots to learn. Yep. Or like, you know, the byproduct of someone else. Like, no. Again, does God not stop all of our stupid decisions? Does Scott, Scott makes dumb decisions, and God not intervene and, and save me from my own yes. stupidity? Scott does make stupid decisions. Yeah, yes. he he allows me to run down those roads sometimes because I am being an idiot and doing 
you know, things I shouldn't be doing. And I think sometimes where people uh, get confused about that is that in those difficult times, sickness or injuries or whatever it is, um, they do often learn a lot. I mean, God does teach them some fabulous lessons, things they needed to learn. And many times they'll say, uh, boy, I was never closer to God than I was during that time going through that thing. Great, all true. Embrace that. Thank God for that, that he was using a really horrible thing in so many wonderful and positive ways. But don't blame him for the horrible thing. Yeah, and, and don't wish for more horrible things so you can grow. <laughs> like, that's such an American way thing just about a physical health. When do you go to the doctor? When it hurts. And then when you get to the doctor, what does the doctor say? For, for many stuff, like common stuff. Well, you know, this is preventative. If you, you don't have to have type 2 diabetes, you can change your lifestyle, change your habits, and then we wouldn't have intervention. We would have prevention. And we wouldn't be here today if you did the things. And we're like, well, yeah, but that's boring, lame. Like, who wants to do preventative work? And, and But think about it. Like, how much stuff we're saved from because of the decisions we're making. Like, it's a real thing. It's just you can't measure it because it didn't happen. You follow Jesus and you choose to, like, sacrifice yourself for your life, you know, for your, for your family, for your wife, and, like, honor them and serve them and... How much does that save you from the trouble and the hardships that you go through? A lot. Can you measure it? No, because it didn't happen, because it's preventative. It's it's not just like, well, it's crisis mode. Where else do I got to go? Last resort. Here I come. God, help me, you know. And then he shows up, and like, I feel really connected to God. And then now perceived need for God is gone because Christ is averted or thing restored. Yep. Boom, I'm out. I'll wait till the next thing blows up, and then I'll go to urgent care again. Like, oh, yeah. Jesus has a whole different way for us to live. Absolutely. I have a pastor friend that's dying of stage four colon cancer. And uh, the main reason that he is, is because he refused to get a colonoscopy. And just, you know, there were, I mean, it's a very preventable thing in today's world, um, but didn't do it. And now facing a, an outcome that could have been avoided. Yeah. So I think to just like circle back around and just to understand in, in the, the, the things that we see about the character of Jesus, his compassion, his love, his grace, his mercy, um, just should drive us to f pursue first and a depth and an intimacy of relationship that he would desire for us because it makes our life better and it makes us better at life. And uh, we will find that when he gets the leftovers, when he gets when it's he's the last resort, um, it's going to be a roller coaster ride that is never the way God intended our lives to be. And that doesn't mean that just, you know, when we give Jesus first, everything's always perfect and butterflies and rainbows, but it means he gives us the strength and the ability and the way that he designed us to actually live life with him in a fullness of life that is only available when we live that way. Mm -hmm. And to wrap this, this story up, it's the same as like the, the last one, the people are all hungry and Jesus says to the disciples, you feed them. And they're like, how would we do that? Which is this after the last one, or is this before? Regardless, like there's no, two. It's of the after because it was the five thousand was just in the previous chapter. I oh. mean, Matthew's got some chronology to what he's doing. Right, I'm, like, I'm being kind of flippant. Oh. Like it doesn't matter if it's before or after; it's the same thing. Yeah, they just the same story. Like, didn't learn. How would we do this? Well, we would have a dependence on you, buddy, to provide. Like, you got something? Like, can you do that? Again, why isn't their first thing? resort Jesus? Like, hey. Well, Kyle, why is it your force? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's the has the, Jesus not been faithful the to relating you to us, right? Why isn't yet? he our first resort? Why don't we pray first? Why don't we give? I mean, first the disciples could have said something very different, like, 
hey, that was really cool the last time when you fed the 5,000. Could you do that again? Hey, We're remember, available if you want to use over us. over there on that hill when you did it over there? <laughs> is this hill the same thing? Or do we have to get all these people to go back over to that hill because that's a magic spot? Um, or are you the guy that can do it? But again, how often do we do that? Hey, remember oh, when God came through last time and did the miraculous and when we saw him first? It's like, yeah, but I'm going to try six other things before I turn to God because maybe he's too busy. Maybe he's mad at me, right? Like, nah, seek God first. His faithfulness never runs out. And he provides not out of their abundance of their own provision, but out of their dependence on him to do it. And so here, here they are with just very little, and then there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands that get provided for, and everyone participates in this miracle that God um, provides for all these people. And so Jesus takes care of their, their soul, their body, their mind, uh, their heart, everything, the holistic approach to healing and salvation is a holistic thing for people. And so they experience that, and then they, like, they go home, and they share this good news about the Messiah, the promised one who's going to deliver us in all of these ways. And it's far greater than the governmental oppression, the, the governmental lockdowns that they were experiencing as Jewish people. It's like this, this holistic salvation that they're experiencing and seeing. So it's pretty awesome. Um, I don't know, try to land the plane here. Hopefully something was helpful today, maybe just in that that sense of like God first, first of the year here, start of the first of your day, um, you know, the first before you enter a meeting, before you face a, a difficult phone conversation or um, before you go into a fun activity, just like giving God thanks that you have that opportunity or whatever that all along the way too. It's not just like first we left him back in the morning for that 12 minutes I had with Jesus, but like he's with us always. Um, to provide for all of our needs in all ways and that we could make him more of the center of our lives and not just the side thing in our lives. So you guys have any other? Uh, if you're right. seeking Jesus and praying about something, don't give up. Right. Be persistent like that gal. Yep. Take a page out of her playbook and hang in there. Yeah. Well, hope you have a great week following Jesus. Uh, we'll be back with you real soon.